I want to begin the message tonight with a little story about the way things were when I was growing up. That's been a long time ago. But I can remember quite a bit about it. And it, it involves in particular a little boy's hiding place. I don't know if any of you as you were growing up had a hiding place or not. But I did have. Mine was a cardboard box. An ice box, not a refrigerator. An ice box came in that cardboard box. And uh, my parents had allowed me to have it. And I put it under the back porch. And I, I managed to carve a little door in it, a little window. And uh, that was my place. Whenever I wanted to get away, I ran to that spot right there. When I was in trouble, which was often, I ran to that spot as well. Now, there's a story in the Bible about a man named Saul and a man named David. And from the time that Saul first realized that God's favor had been transferred to David, the future king of Israel had an enemy whose desire it was to kill him. Now, we've got a, a way of looking at life today in America that really is dangerous. Because I don't think that we really consider the fact that we have an enemy who is always out to find us and do us bad. It's not a matter of, of if the devil will ever seek you out and try to mess your life up. It's when he's going to do that. It's going to happen for all of us. And the story that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 17 following will give you a real good hint about what I'm talking about here tonight. And the reading is a little bit long because I want you to use it to sort of set the, uh, the, the context for the message. It says in verse 17 there, And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter, Mereb, her will I give you to wife, only you be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not my hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. Now already, Saul is trying to get rid of him. He didn't want to kill him outright. He made a promise to him. So he's going to put him at the front of the battle, basically, and make sure he's gone. Verse 18 says, And David said unto Saul, Who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel, that I should be the son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Methulite, to wife. And Michael, or Michelle, I'm really not sure after all this time how you're supposed to pronounce that word, but in, in this day and time, Michael and Michelle seems not to make any difference, all right? So uh, this, this girl, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul... And the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, you shall this day be my son-in-law in the one of the two. And Saul commanded his servants saying, commune with David secretly and say, behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Therefore, be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David, and David said, Seemeth it to you to a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spoke David. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, 
The king desires not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines two hundred men, and David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Saul's daughter loved him. And Saul was yet more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. I want you to look at that passage very carefully because that is the, the premise for what I preach tonight. Saul became, at that point, David's enemy continually. It does not mean that he was mad for a while. It means that he had internalized his hatred toward David, and all he was going to be consumed by was getting rid of David. David had an enemy. Can anybody here tell me what David did whenever Saul was chasing after him all the time? Where did he always go? He went to the hills. He went to the mountains. If you'll read the, the scriptures carefully, you'll find him hiding out in a cave somewhere, and caves are usually found in hills and mountains, okay? Now, here's the, the thing that, that, uh, that strikes me about this so far. It is that David knew from that point on that the enemy was after him. If you look at the 30th verse, it says, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth. And it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by, spoken about a lot. Chapter 19, verse 1 says, And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all of his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan's, Jonathan, I'm sorry, Saul's son delighted much in David, and Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Now, therefore, I pray you, take heed to yourself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide yourself. He said, David, find yourself a hiding place, some place where the enemy cannot get to you. Now, before I try to preach tonight, I want you to hear again you have an enemy who has sworn to kill you. He wants you gone. You say, well, he's not interested in me anymore. I've already been saved. Well, he knows that you have the potential to harm his desires because you have the potential to bring other people into the kingdom of God and get them safe from his clutches, so to speak. So he really has an enemy of everybody in this room tonight. And my advice to you is to begin right now to, to, to think with me, where would you hide? Where are you going to hide? The devil is after you. There's no doubt about that. Look around you tonight. Parents, you think everything's safe because you're raising your kids the way that you're raising them? i got news for you. They're going to enter a world one of these days where they're going to be confronted by teachers and peers who will do everything in their power to tear them down. And it's not going to be those people's own volition. It's the devil who controls them and, and uses them as a toy to do that very thing. It is a dangerous world for young people as they go out into it. It's a dangerous world for everybody, for families tonight. Families torn apart like you would not believe tonight. And it's not because people are so uh, uh, stubborn and ornery that they don't want to get along. It's because the devil knows the ways to open the door to destroy them. He's out to get them constantly. And they all need a hiding place. You need a hiding place. Where are you going to hide tonight? You know, I can't remember every little detail in my early life. And sometimes I have real trouble remembering those peaceful times of my adolescence. I, 
I know there were some, but I just don't remember them very well. I tend to recall the highs and the lows of those days. You all, if you've been here a long time before, you, you know that, that I, I'm the guilty party that burned down my family's outhouse when I was just a little bitty boy. So I entered the world of sin very early on. And I can remember those things because that example was before me all the time. My parents told the story over and over and over, so I can't forget that. There are other things that I can't forget. I can't forget the day that a man knocked on the door and had a telegram for my parents that my little brother had just died. I never thought that there would be a day so dark, so hurtful, that the brother who was closest to me, I was the oldest of five, that brother had just died. You can't forget things like that. I can't forget the excitement when I was a little fellow that my daddy one day brought home a motorbike. And I thought, wow, this is really going to be neat until I found out the motor didn't work. And you had to pedal it to go anywhere, and my legs weren't long enough nor strong enough to make it go. And so I spent a lot of time running up and down the sidewalk with it trying to make it start, you know. I remember that like it was yesterday. And the day-to-day -day things... They're hard to remember. But there's one thing that I don't think anything can ever take away from me, and it was that cardboard box under that porch. Our back porch was small, maybe six feet by eight feet, something like that. That old appliance box was used to make a place to hide when the situation demanded it. Now, Sometimes I would fight imaginary foes from that box. Now, don't look at me like none of you have ever done that, but uh, especially you guys. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you've got any age on you at all and, and, and it was a time when they didn't think you was going to go to hell for owning a gun, then, uh, you know, you probably had a little cat, cat pistol out there and you shot all kinds of Indians and other folks that were coming after you and you had your hiding place. Mine was in that box. Small little place. I'd run to the hideaway for a quiet reflection sometime. You say, well, you were a kid. How would you have a quiet reflection? I was in trouble all the time. And, and so every once in a while when you really were in trouble bad and you got punishment for it, you just needed a place to go be by yourself for a while, you know? Besides that, I didn't want the other boys in the neighborhood to know I cried like that. Now, my mother was the bionic woman, the real one. She had something that, uh, 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 it was a strap. And whenever, it didn't matter where she was, what time of day it was, it appeared to me like all she had to do was that and there was that thing in her hand. And so I got a lot of straightening out. And I'd go in that little box. And when I went in that box, my mother would come looking for me. She wouldn't come all the way down to look in the box. She'd stand on the porch and she'd say, John, are you in there? And the first time she did that, I said, nope. <laughs> Never tried that one again. Amen. She'd say, John, come out of that box. If I didn't come out, she'd come down. She'd drag me out. You know, you, you're not going to stay in there. And she, my, my parents, they didn't know about all this newfangled stuff. They'd whip you till you cried. And then if you kept crying, they'd whip you for crying. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? Huh? Sure. And... and, and I can remember just like yesterday, my mother saying, you come out of that box, boy, I'm going to whip you again. Now, that's just enough for me not to come out of the box, you know. I, if I'm going to come out, I'm going to get it again. I'm going to stay in there. Now, I know that that little story don't mean much to you. You say, how in the world does that fit in with what you just read? Well, I'm, I'm an adult now. Can you tell? I'm told that I'm a senior adult now, and I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against that, but somehow or other, I think I'm, I may have qualified uh, me and Jake look about the same age, so that's, you know, that's how that works. But I found myself a hiding place that I want to preach about tonight. And I want to encourage you to seek out that same hiding place every time that you have any trouble in your life. If, if things get hard, don't try to take care of it yourself. Immediately run to your hiding place. When things come down on you, most of the time, 
Either you cause it yourself or the devil's after you. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't chase you down and beat you. God is a loving God. He wants the best for you all the time. So having said all that tonight, I want you to listen to John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus to them again, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come but for to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now our enemy is very cunning, much more than a mere man like Saul. He has millions of demons that report to him and do his bidding. And it's nearly impossible to hide from him because he knows all the details. He's always getting a report on us. Now you say, oh, that's just, that, that's just a bunch of that spiritual mumbo-jumbo. No, it's not. I hope that you will realize that you're in a spiritual battle tonight. The fact that you are here, praise the Lord for that. But you know what? You've been in a battle to get here. And that battle does not cease simply because you're in those seats. Don't you tell me, don't even try to tell me that your life is just so rosy that you never find a thorn. It, it, it's, it's the devil's job to mess with you, to try to keep you from being efficient for God, to kill you if he can. That's what he came for. That's what John just wrote for us here. Now, that said, the devil is upset with you for a reason. He has irretrievably lost his place in heaven. He challenged God. He's been thrown out from heaven. The one thing that he can do to battle God is to do it through you. Through churches, just like this one. I don't know if you know this or not, but this church is a special target. Let me tell you why. Many churches in America are already beat down to the point where the doors are closing. They're already suffering, trying to find someone who will preach the gospel. It's a struggle for them. This church is blessed beyond measure. I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the average Southern Baptist church right now in our convention, listen to this, the average Baptist church is only 60 to 70 people on Sunday morning. And I really believe that's a little bit too high. I don't know about what Brother Kenny knows. He's planted a bunch of them. But what I've seen and what I've preached in, I can tell you this is an exception. I, have you figured out yet that you are not really in a growth path? This is Hamilton County. I love Hamilton County. I love you folks. But this is not the place where you would expect a church of four or 500 people to be uh, worshiping on Sunday morning. You are a target. And you say, well, why am I a target? I don't do much here. You're part of it. And as long as you're a part of it, you're, an, you're a, a special target for him. Now, I've said all that hoping that you'll understand and, and maybe get you to agree that you need a hiding place, a place of protection, shelter, a place where the devil can't get to you. There's only one place that I know. It's behind the cross. The devil cannot stand the blood of Christ. If I read the scriptures right, the cross of Christ was covered with blood. And any time that he gets close to the cross, he will see that blood. And he will also not try to get behind it. He will not try to get you. You have a hiding place. He cannot get to you that way. Listen again. One more scripture and then I'll try to preach for you. Psalm chapter 3 verse 1. It says this, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Goes on to say, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. Notice what it says again. You're a shield for me. My glory, the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord could sustain me. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing tonight. 
I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Now listen to that carefully. First of all, he said it's a place where I am shielded from the enemy. Psalm 3, 3 is very plain there. You are a shield for me. Now be reminded that the enemy is not always searching for you and not for your good either. I'm sorry, is searching for you, but not for your good either. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Can that be made any plainer than that right there? The devil is after you tonight. There's never a time when he is not wanting to get you. He wants to steal some things from you. I think I just read that. What can he steal from you? Well, let me tell you what I've seen in Baptist churches. I don't know how many of them you've been preaching in, Brother Kenny, but let me tell you something about what I've been seeing. I've been seeing some of the most stone-cold faces on the face of this earth. Folks don't have joy. There's no happiness in them. I've watched people get saved and folks sit right there with with that that stare that's just a cold stare and you can almost read their minds, now how long is this going to take, you know? Instead of saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, jumping up and down, shouting a little bit like they used to do years ago, the, the joy has been taken out of people. We don't have the joy of Jesus even when we worship sometimes. We sing the songs, but we just read the words. We go through the motions. But how long has it been since you've been in a service where people were truly worshiping God together? I, I mean, that's what they were there for. You can tell that's why they came, and they were going to get it done. And friend, I want you to know there's very few places where that's taken place. The devil wants your joy. His is gone. He went from the number one angel in heaven to the devil himself. And he is not a happy camper. And he doesn't want you to be happy. I want want to just camp there for just a moment. Don't think that this world wants the best for you. This world does, the the enemy itself, Satan, is the ruler. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler right now. He's been given this until the Lord comes back. But friend, he is not doing this for your best interest. What he's wanting to do is to harm you in any way that he can. He'll take your health. Amen? Your joy will go right behind your health. I, I, I guarantee you, it's, it's, it's right on its heels. He, he'll take your finances away from you sometimes. You say, how does he do that? I don't know, but don't ever have a flat tire and say, now what can happen? You could have two. I am living proof. No matter, no matter what happens to you in this life, don't, don't say, I'm glad that's over because it's just beginning. That's what the devil's job is. Did you think that you had all that, that quote, bad luck? That's a, it's a bad term to start with. It's not really luck at all. It's the devil working on you exactly the way he wants to, to steal your joy. I don't know about you all, but I'm a little bit older than most of you, I believe. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Who did that? It has to be the biggest guy in the room. If you were just half your size and three times your age, I'd come get you, son. Uh-huh. You've, you've done messed me up. What, what did you amen just then? <laughs> that what? I'm sorry. Thank you. And as the oldest, almost oldest one in the room, I'm not going to look around because you might figure out who the oldest is, but I, I would almost challenge anybody in the room to keep your joy when you have three fatal diseases. You know how you do it? 
Every time you start to feel this much sorry for yourself, you go hide behind the cross. And when the devil comes against you and you hurt, things don't work the way that you want them to, behind that cross you can say, devil, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You just go on your way. You're not going to get to me today. I know in whom I believe and I've got the joy of Jesus and you cannot have it. Friend, you, you, are, you are declared to be the, the, the apple of God's eye. He, he wants you to be happy. He does not want you to, to be the, the way many Baptists appear tonight. Now, I know that you all are the cream of the crop. You all look pretty good, right? But, not, but nonetheless, there's one or two of you that could probably use a little facial exercise. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, Brother John, you don't smile that much. Well, there's a reason for that. And you ask me later on, I'll tell you what it is. But as right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm full of joy. I'll be, I'll be full of joy tonight when I do my exchange with dialysis. I'll, I'll be full of joy whenever I, I, I'm reminded in a week or two about the, the, the test on my heart. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll be full of joy if, if tomorrow I wake up and, and my lymphoma is full-blown again. That wouldn't, that's not going to steal my joy. Because I know that I've got a hiding place. And my hiding place is such that no matter what the devil can do, he, he, he can't kill me without God's permission. Amen? Amen? And he can't keep me down because if he turns me loose, I'm going to get up. You might as well nickname me Corky. You can push me under, but you can't keep me under. Amen? You take the pressure off and I'll pop right back up and say, na 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 Amen? The devil is not going to take my joy. I want you to think with me tonight how many times you have let the devil steal your joy, even this year, already. Everything going good, everything's fine, and all of a sudden some little something will happen, and, and, and you'll blame everything in the world except the right source, the devil. He wants your joy. I'll tell you something else he's wanting really bad. He wants to destroy your witness. He can do it. All you've got to do is succumb to his temptation just a little bit. And the witness you have right now can be gone, wiped off, just, just like that. I've known people that were soul winners, won a bunch of souls to the Lord, and then fell. I'm talking about sell, fell sexually and had, had a, a terrible experience that, that they said, how in the world did this happen to me? But you know what? They get to worrying about themselves at that point and don't realize that their witness has just been taken away. That instead of them being able to stand in front of somebody and tell them about the goodness of Jesus, all they can do then is just say, I'll pray for you. Because they're, they're not going to be listened to. The witness is gone. John 10.10 10 says this, The thief does not come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He wants to kill your witness. And he wants to kill your potential to reach others with the good news. You remember that without a hiding place, he will not only find you, he will attack you without, without any mercy at all. He, he does not give up. He's not like Leroy I talked about last night. He's not just got a wicked left hand. I'm telling you, the devil's got every tool that's, that's in the book and he can use it against you. I, you know what I believe? I believe that wherever you go to get away from the devil, it ought to be safe and secure from all alarm. You ought not have to worry about this all the time. And the, the place, the only place that I'm sure of that you can have like that is to know your right location, and that is to hide behind the cross. This is where Jesus died. This is the sacrifice that was given for my sins. You cannot have me. God's already got me. Secondly tonight, the hiding place is where I am sustained by the one above. There's somebody above me looking down on me. He knows exactly what I need. He knows what you need. He knows where you've hidden. You know, a lot of people will try to hide behind worldly things. They bring their own stuff to the fore fight, and they say, Let, let's fight now. I, I know how to handle this. I've, I've been to 
this school or that school, and I know how to handle this. I've, I know about psychology and all this sort of stuff, but let me tell you, friend, none of that stuff will help you when the devil is really relentless after you. The only place that you can run to is the safety of Christ and his sacrifice at the cross. You know, the first place a child, should, a child of God should uh, seek in a time of trouble or trial is behind the cross. But where do we usually go? Let me ask you, what do we usually do? The first sign of trouble. We try to fix it. And when we fail, what do we do? Then we run to the cross. But we run all bloodied up. We run when we've been beaten to a pulp. Our effectiveness is, is, is gone. But yet now we go and hide. I see this a lot when people are going through marital problems. And, and, and folks will, will, will fight each other and go through all kinds of stuff like that. And then they, they will come at the last moment. Some one of them will be re, really remorseful about what has happened. And they'll be in an altar and they'll be saying, God, please fix this. You know, God is the fixer. But he ought to be the first choice to fix things. He, he ought not be what's left over. He ought to be the one that we run to immediately. You know, Satan's demons, they know what happened through Jesus on the cross. There's no doubt about that. And they have no desire to come close to the place where they thought they had won the battle and then found out they didn't. I, I think all they found out was that God's power was a lot more than what they'd ever dreamed. And you know what? That cross is a symbol for us tonight. You can't go find that piece of wood anywhere. But boy, what does it stand for? How many of you tonight, if you're really pressed, would just admit that though you be saved, you still have a sinner's heart? I wonder. You say, are you sure about that, Brother John? Oh, yes. I've been living a long time. and I've been trying hard a long time. But I can become a sinner with a trip to Walmart. It can happen driving down the road. And somebody takes my parking place. Boy, you all look so innocent right now. None of you ever do those sort of things. Never, never, never. It can happen to me when I, when I, I, I pass some folks on the street corner in Springfield that are dealing drugs, and you know that's what they're doing. I can become enraged just that quickly because I know where it's going to end up at. Some youngsters are going to have their lives turned upside down because of it. And you say, well, there's no sin in, in, in being angry if you don't let it become sin. I got news for you, friend. The Bible really says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. There's some wrath that pops up there. And my challenge is not to let it get hold of me to where I, it, it's going to control my life. The devil is sharp. He is smart. He knows how to do things to get to us, to take away our our effectiveness, but he cannot stop us from being sustained from above. The one who lives above us knows all that's happening to us, and he's protecting us every minute of every day if we just call on him. Now listen very carefully. It is that cross that guarantees me that I am kept by the power of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, 
who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Any, anybody here have many temptations? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God is very much alive tonight. He has not died. He's not even been sick. He's immune to COVID. Don't worry about God. He's cool. That means because he is a living hope, then my hope, my faith lives on. The one who is in me, as I preached last night, he is there to protect me. He's in there with me. Do you understand what I just said? When I run to my hiding place, my box under the porch, or in this case the cross, he's in there with me. He saw me headed for there. He's meeting me there. Everywhere I go, he is there to protect me. And just like Saul hunting for David, can't figure out why he can find, can't, can't find him and, and kill him. And David all at the same time is trying to figure out what he needs to write about this. And he says, I, I look to the hills from whence comes my help. He said, I, I know where my help comes from. It comes from above. It comes from the hills. That's where our help comes from. Now stay with me just a little bit longer and I have a short conclusion tonight. I hope. Faith retains the power of Christ. So to head for closeness with Christ exercises all the faith that's necessary to be sustained. We have that promise. He will keep us. The devil can chase us, but the devil can't get us if we're in the hiding place. I remember how safe I felt in my cardboard box. The only thing I dreaded was the voice from above. Y'all listening? How about you? Did you know that your heavenly parent lives right above you? Sees everything that you do? Knows everything you think? You need a hiding place tonight, amen? You say, but I've been saved for no, no tell how many years. I don't care how long you've been saved. You are not immune. Did you hear me? You are not immune. The devil can get in and tear you up completely, even if you've been serving the Lord for years and years and years. I have a deacon I used to serve with in a church. He and his wife, as a matter of fact, were good friends with me and my wife. For 50 years married, 50 years Went on vacation with them, watched them laugh together, did the whole, the whole routine, knew those people. 50 years, and they're divorced. She's dead now, but they divorced. 50 years. You know, if I'd spent 50 years with the honoriest woman that ever lived just to, be, to get even with her, I wouldn't. I, there's no way I'd turn loose. Amen. I'd say, you ain't getting away. I'm going to punish you back. Or, no, I wouldn't do that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? But 50 years. Think about that, Brother Kenny. Most of the people in this room ain't even 50 years old. And those people had, had, had lived together, man and wife, for all that time, served in the same church. And I mean, served a lot. But you know what? They felt safe. Are you still listening? You're not safe. You say, oh, you don't know how many ways I've been tempted, Brother John. I got news for you. You haven't seen all the devil's tricks just yet. You know that saying that we say so often, and by the way, it's biblical, but for the grace of God, there go I. You need to approach life just that way. It is God's grace that keeps you safe. It is that hiding place that you can run to. It, you're, you're not still here and still standing tonight simply because you are a, a slick operator and you know how to get out of his clutches. No, no, no. You're there because Jesus himself has provided for you something we call salvation by his sacrifice. And that sacrifice continues forever. Did you hear what I just said? I don't know why 
people around our country sometimes just, I think they just take an ignorant pill or something. But now, now there's, there's many who are calling themselves Baptists that are, that are not sure about whether you're saved and secure or not. If, if you've been saved, that's continuing forever. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 and following. Then he said, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, by the which we are, are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, plural, forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Do you see that? Now, I don't know how you can argue against that. I can give you a, a, a hundred more verses that will support that. But that, that right there just tells me plain and simple that one offering, he perfected us forever. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, you know what, you're perfect. You've been perfected. I know you won't do that. Some of these young people will. But, but you older folks are saying, it's a silly. All right. No, no, that, it, it, I talked about this last night. You've got to start seeing yourself different. God has saved you and perfected you and he did that forever and here's the way he does it. There is a place the devil can't come and get you. You stay in the shadow of the cross and he cannot get there. He will not come near that place. It is the worst place that he had ever imagined in his life. The place where he orchestrated Christ to be on the cross and then three days later whew, watched it as Jesus came out of the tomb and took captivity captive, headed for heaven saying, I'll be back. I'm coming back one of these days. I can see the old devil right now, every day getting up and shaking and trembling, saying, Jesus is coming back. We got to get him fast. Let's go get him while we can. He's got an urgency about him that we don't have as a church because we don't see that we got an enemy. And he's after us. Brother Jake, you got a problem I never did have. God gave you pretty eyes. Dark hair. Smiles and the room lights up. You all see the look I'm getting right now. You you'd know the devil's alive. <laughs> Seriously. Men like this are a target. I'm pretty safe. <laughs> That's a target. Did you, do you ever consider that you need to pray for this man all the time? And for that reason, too. You say, oh, people... No, somebody like Jake could never be got to. That's what they said about Johnny Hunt. But they were wrong. There's none of us above temptation. It's just if we get in the right place at the right time, the devil manipulates things, pray for this man. Pray for each other. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen something that looks like, hey, I see something getting ready to happen here. I don't know if I ought to say something or not. Well, if you love each other, you need to figure out a way to, to say, hey, be careful, be careful. The old devil will be right on your heels before you know he's there. And if you're not hiding in the right spot, if you're not looking to the cross for your safety, the devil knows that. If you're self-reliant, he loves you. The devil really loves you because you'll try everything on your own before you call on the power of God. Our God is a powerful God. Did you know that? You heard me say last night briefly that I'd, 
I'd spent seven months on my back in a hospital room, totally paralyzed, told I'd never walk, told I would probably never regain my voice. I just had to whisper all the time. I'm almost 80 years old. Can you, do you have any trouble hearing me? No. And, I, and I, you know what? I can't walk one of them lines. If, I, if they stop me from being drunk, I'm done for because I'd be just wobbling all over the place. I, I, will, I will grant you that. But I can still climb the steps. I can still preach the word. Don't, don't tell me God's not alive and can do anything for you. He really can. Run to the cross. Run to the source. Run to a place where the devil will not be able to get to you and mess you up. And just realize that he's trying to do that all the time. We are perfected by the eyes of, or in the eyes of God. And because of that, he's not going to let anything happen to you while you're depending upon him. By grace, faith continues forever. Things are bad. If you think they're not, just watch the news. You might not want to watch NBC or CBS or one of those kind. You probably won't ever get the news there. But find some news, reliable news, and you'll find out this world is in a mess. But grace... How many of you are really glad tonight? Really glad that you're under the grace of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? We're, we're, his grace has got us covered. And no matter what the devil does, he can't take you. You belong to somebody. And he's already in the box. He's already where you expect to go to find the peace and safety that you need. You say, Brother John, that, that's not the normal re revival message we've heard you preaching. You're right. I don't even like preaching about the devil this way. But I'm positive of this. He is roaring tonight, just like the lion. He's seeking whom he can devour. And you are a target. And if you want to prosper yourself as a church, you personally you figure out that you need to run to that place of safety and stay there. You say, how long do I stay? Don't come out. Don't come out. You say, well, what if I hear a voice telling me to come out? <laughs> Test the spirits. See what manner they are. Because the old devil is slick. He is sharp. He knows how to do those sort of things. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to what verse 13 said there in Hebrews 10. He said, they're all going to be a part of his footstool. Now, I'm hoping that the Lord will permit me to think like this. I have in my mind a day in heaven when everybody's gathered together there. Jesus is Letting the Father know, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one's mine. I, I died for that one. But all of his enemies, all of God's enemies, are going to be made his footstool. That literally means he's going to be trampling on them. He's going to be victorious over them. God himself is going to fight against them. And when it comes to the devil and his crowd, those demons that have, have troubled me so much, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep from shouting whenever he's handing that out. When I see them start to get down and him get on, <laughs> I think I'm going to say hallelujah. You say, well, I don't think you'll be that way, Brother John. You might be right. I might be sin. I might be treading on real, real thin ice right there. But let me tell you something. Unless the God in heaven tells me don't do it, I'll probably do it. Because I hate that devil. He has messed me and some of my friends totally up at different times in our lives. He's taken loved ones away from me. He, he's taken some of my friends and destroyed their lives. I do not like the devil. I don't just dislike the devil. I hate the devil. I hope that he gets what he deserves, and I know that he will. I want to see the day when he's cast into the lake of fire for all the trouble that he has caused. Church, here's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Rally together. See yourself as in a battle. 
It's not just about filling a beautiful church like this. That's awesome. And it's wonderful that you have people saved and baptized. That's awesome. But that's not what it's all about. You're in an army. And you're saved to fight against the devil and his army. So come together and say, let's take Hamilton County and the around surrounding area. Let's do it for Jesus. Let's do it not for attention for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God right here on this hill. 1820 you all started as a church. Abraham Lincoln was what, six years old? Whenever this church began. It's been through lots of stuff. I've been here when it went through some of the stuff. But it's still here. You're still here. Your evidence that God wants you to keep on fighting and fight the devil with everything in you. Don't let him destroy you or your family or your church. Keep together in the battle against him. Now maybe it'd be hard for you tonight to respond to an invitation. I don't know. But if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you can't run to the cross until you've kneeled at the cross. Until you've asked the Lord into your heart, that's not a hiding place for you. That'll be a place that'll scare you to death when you get close to it. But because of his grace, because of his goodness, he's made it possible for you to be saved and to be in heaven. You don't have to die and go to hell. Isn't that an awesome prospect right there? You do not have to die and spend eternity apart from God. So tonight during the invitation, if you are not sure that you're going to heaven when you die, you could die tonight. Did you know that? You don't have any idea how you might leave this world. There's an idiotic madman in Russia tonight with his finger on the trigger right now. There's a bunch of folks over there in China that, that their whole mission is to try to get rid of you as a country and you who are Christians. In a moment's eye, you could all be gone. Are you ready if it comes that quick? You should be. Because heaven is real, and so is hell. And it's a place that you cannot escape from.